I'm Meg John Barker. And I'm Justin Hancock. And we are... The Meg John and Justin... Podcast. Yay! Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, ear pals. Um, (laughs) We are doing... We were both convinced we'd done this podcast. We were like, literally... Yeah, we'll refer you to this podcast that we did about this some time ago. Obviously, it's really, obviously, it's very good. It's very, you know, we say encapsulate all the things we want to say, and we haven't done it. So, <laughs> yes, we scrolled through everything we'd done, and we realised we haven't done this topic, even though we talk about it like all the time. All the time. Are we so, do? Are we dreaming about our own podcasts? Or maybe we, we did it in a dream. Do you think we both yeah. shared? Did we share the dream? Were we both in the dream? Like, was it my dream? Was it your dream? Perhaps we. Yeah, perhaps we've in our dream forgot to press record. Which sounds, Could be. Sounds like me. Perhaps we did do it and we just forgot to say record. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it a lot. We've realised mm. that we think that it's because we did a workshop about it once. Um, yes. Which went very well, but we didn't record it because it was a workshop. Um, yeah, with other folks in it. So, yeah. hashtag consent. So, yeah. Yeah. So shall we re- do the big reveal? Oh, no, yes. they'll already know, won't they? Because it's in the title of the oh, podcast. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, no, it's not been much of a mystery, has it? Unless we give it a title, something different, like Kermit or something, and then... <laughs> the Fonz. Yes, the Fonz. I was listening back hey. to that episode the other day. It was very... It made me chuckle. Yes. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about sex discrepancies, right? And a mismatch yes. in um, sexual desire and chat a bit some more about that and sometimes called uh, sexual compatibility or sexual incompatibility yeah. yeah that stuff i guess like sexual incompatibility could also be about wanting different like having similar levels of desire but wanting very different kinds of sex which might be a thing that we talk about but i guess we're going to focus on um what happens when uh, one person wants to have sex more than another in a yeah i think it's i always like think it's good to talk about wanting both having different levels of desire for it and Mm. also wanting different things as kind of part of the same and and they can really weave together you know because it might be that you know one person doesn't want it just because it's not really the things that they're into that are happening big time yeah and it's all to do with also with our definitions of sex and what we want from sex and also what we want from relationships so there are lots of Mm. like different uh competing axes and different ways that it all crosses over which actually we think really helps yeah. us to open up and understand how we navigate this precisely um, and it would it would link in very well with uh, both our zines how to make your own sex manual and relationship user guides because this raises those questions of like how do we do sex and relationships and also what do we want from sex and what even is sex so if you want more after this episode then downloading those zines could be the way to go go to our website megjohnandjustin.com forward slash publications where <laughs> you can find them they are they cost £2.50 each they do um, and our book enjoy sex how when and if you want to we talk about this in that book don't we yeah Meg John? quite a bit and, yeah um, that is still really cheap at wh smith's and no one's reviewed it at wh smith's so if you want to review it and buy it at wh smith's it's like five pounds something yeah really um, really reasonable very very too reasonable <laughs> <laughs> too, too reasonable you think uh, i had some lovely um feedback on that recently somebody at the conference i was at had read it and uh, said it was a really big deal for them so Aww. that was great to hear yeah that's nice yeah, we do so. love uh, hearing nice feedback from you. We had a lovely bit of feedback from someone else as well, didn't we? This uh, that we yeah. read this week, but <laughs> yeah, people people don't necessarily realise how much that means, but it really does. It's always no, like gosh, it's really nice. Thank you. It makes yeah. us feel like we have ear pals, and um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's really nice. So, 
digging into this so I thought we we thought we might start with why yeah why do people think like being sexually incompatible or having discrepancies in desire is such a a big problem because people tend to see it as a as a problem yeah well I Mm. guess that's the thing isn't it we want to the first thing we will do is to say is to talk about why we've got it into our heads that it is a a problem Mm -hmm. rather Mm. than uh, see uh, rather than a natural variation or yeah. a thing that can happen from time to time um, yes. and the and obviously this is culture doing a number on everyone culture and capitalism again Shakespeare yes. at culture and capitalism <laughs> um, and and uh, particularly at the sex therapy and sex advice industries mm-hmm. I think within within wider capitalism because yeah. they're the ones that are really um, uh, perpetuating this this kind of myth that um, sexual compatibility is natural, normal. You know, this is how relationships should be. Like the, the sex advice books that I analysed when I did that big project mm. for Mediated Intimacy book. Um, you know, really perpetuated this idea that you know long term relationships should remain sexual throughout. Mm. Same level. You know that desire. You know, not having desire anymore for your partner or for those desires shifting is somehow a failure on your part there's something mm-hmm. wrong with you you need to fix it with obviously mm. the kind of things they're telling you in mm. the books but the, but the, also the advice they're giving is super limited because yeah. they're assuming that relationships must last forever they must be monogamous um, and that the sex that you should be having is you know broadly speaking just penis and vagina as we talk about a lot all over the place yeah. you know this kind of sexual script of um, and that you know even people in same sex relationships and other kind of relationships often have a similar sense of there's this default that there's one they should be doing every single time you know and it's just not it's just not right that you know people can just do that same thing over and over again with the same person Mm. for years and years and have exactly the same experience of it as they would have had right at the beginning Um, and also you know Esther Perel's stuff comes in here who's a therapist who write how how difficult it is to get passionate kind of sex and also the need for sort of warmth and companionship met in the same place so Mm. um, you know that that people are doing something to themselves when they're trying to force themselves to keep feeling these feelings which is Mm -hmm. just you know really really unfair and then of of course you know then people are going to sex therapists and sex advice books and um Mm -hmm. tv shows and what have you to try and fix what they see as a problem when actually it's just it is it is normal it's more normal you know in fact yeah not not that we care about being normal but you know (laughs) no yeah common or usual and yes um, yeah and that's the thing is that that there is a perpetuating cycle there that keeps this going because as long as there are problems there are solutions and actually the for what we want to say here is that the prob- the solution is the problem uh, yes. it, it is that it is that the that these things are also there are other things where this happens too like the you know, sex addiction has mm. is an idea that has been amplified and overblown it's a complex area it doesn't um, exist in terms of the the as a psychological um, uh, issue in mm. terms of the, the is it the DSM the uh, yeah, American the, Psychological Association yeah none thing. of those categorizations of sexual dysfunctions or disorders will list sex addiction they don't they don't yeah, buy yeah. that it exists as a thing yeah but you're saying obviously yeah, people a lot do of therapists have some, are saying you know come yeah. and see me about your sex addiction problems and then they offer the solution to the to the sex addiction problem <laughs> and they continue making money but also they make people feel like they have a problem uh, yes, yeah, so it reinforces that. that. Yeah. 
It's a vicious cycle, isn't it? Yeah, the, the, mm. the advice reinforces the idea that there's a problem when there is no yeah. problem, um, which also reinforces the need for advice, which reinforces the idea that there's a problem and it just goes round and round in a circle. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, obviously there are lots of sex advisors that we uh, like and we refer to and we talk about. We just talked about Esther Perel. Um, mm. We also like Cindy Darnell. Uh, so we're not mm. saying everyone who does sex advice and sex therapy are bad yeah. and are all perpetuating it, but a lot of them sadly are. Um, and that's, you know, that is one of the sources of this, but there are also many other sources for... It um, seems to be, yeah, it seems this. to be a hard one to step away from, even for some of the more critical sex advisors. There's still that kind of tendency to towards, yeah, but it is better for long-term relationships to be sexual right um mm. it's not really okay not to have sex in those contexts or you know even even um that you know that not really buying that asexuality is a thing you know again yeah. more critical sex advisors i've heard say that and it's like no you know it's really important that we validate the fact that asexuality is absolutely a thing and you know certainly again even like the psychiatric categorizations now totally kind of um include asexuality and say that you mustn't be mm. pathologizing people for not having sexual attraction and that yeah. that's a spectrum um and you know and that's what what we you know in fact asexual communities are pointing out exactly the flaw in this kind of sex advice and sex therapy which is mm. that it's com it can be completely fine not to have sexual desire or sexual attraction for periods mm -hmm. of your life or for all of your life yeah um just as it's fine for a relationship to not be sexual yeah we have to exactly. have that as a starting position yeah yeah but again as well as this being something that um is in uh in sex advice and sex therapy it's also uh, in sex education this idea mm -hmm. that we have to just meet the right person and then everything will be fine that is certainly because there's so little sex education that is formally taught in schools we when it mm -hmm. comes to relationships it is basically we'll find the right person and it'll be wonderful um yeah. which uh, and you'll and you'll just have the same amount of sex forever and there's always sex on tap well again um, it's also can be responsible for both people leaving relationships that are actually really good in every other respect and for people staying in relationships that are really bad in other respects you know that yeah. you know that sense of sexual compatibility being so vital that it kind mm. of uh, clouds over other things that might be essential in relationships well, um, i think that's probably another podcast that i was thinking about actually yeah. about how we um and we'll talk about this when we finally release the new Relationship Energy podcast that we've been talking about for ages, that we did ages ago. But mm. uh, that we, you know, I think that we do over rely on chemistry, this idea mm. that we have to have this like foie factor. First yeah. of all, not the our relationships. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> not all relationships um, have a foie factor because some relationships are not sexual relationships. But mm. even in non-sexual relationships, we think we rely too much on chemistry and how things feel when we're between us rather than how do we treat each other, how do we communicate, are we honest and all that stuff. But I think that's another podcast. Yeah, but, yeah. Th but there is this thing of um, broader culture also saying um, that... Um, that the key to a successful romantic relationship is that how much sex you're having and is the sex good and if the sex is good the romantic relationship is good and if the sex is not good or you're not doing mm. it or you don't desire it as much as each other then there are, there's something wrong in the romantic relationship and that coupling of those things yeah. is another kind of vicious circle that we get stuck into and it's a real problem and actually if the response would be to say 
Well, in a relationship, it's normal for you there to be differences in desire and fluctuate in uh, differences in sex desire and different kinds of sex we mm. might we might be interested in. And suddenly, there isn't a problem with a romantic relationship necessarily. Well, exactly. And again, I think you know recent si- science like Sari Van Ander's work, but also the asexual and aromantic communities have done a really good job at saying, well, actually, and, and I suppose the Esther Pearl thing I was talking about, mm. you know, saying that there is sexual attraction and there is emotional or romantic attraction or whatever. Yeah. We want to call that and that those are two separate things that can sometimes come in the same place and mm-hmm. can also come in different places and some people have the one and not the other some people yeah. have the other one and not the other you know it's like that's really happy, helpful to decouple those rather than mm-hmm. seeing it as like we all need to get all of it all the time in the same place um, and it, what concerns me as well is that so many of the solutions that are put forward by sex advice for this so-called problem of incompatibility mm-hmm. so easily lead us into non-consensual sex yeah. um, so it's kind of uh, vary the positions you have sex in again assuming mm-hmm. that you will want to have sex um, yeah. or having a regular slot for sex you know yeah. is a common one um, or spicing up your sex life by doing particular things which again people may or may not want to do but they feel like compelled that they, they should spice it up um, even surprising each other was one of the bits of research uh, bits of um sex advice I, I saw when I was doing this study and sometimes never say you know a few books were saying never say no but just offer something else like it's never okay to say no you should always have something else on offer again yeah. really dangerous message um, it's really given. bad yeah. and it, it's it's also I mean it's non-consensual in the way that they're giving like particular they're telling people what to do but also they're mm. never saying well you could try not having sex <laughs> yeah. uh, and see how that goes <laughs> exactly you know, and even it's just the even if that you should be having sex some sex therapy does sort of say or take sex off the menu and do things like sensate focus which is focusing mm. more on sensation which isn't a terrible idea but again the problem, my problem with that is there's always the point that it's aiming to get back to a certain kind of sex it's yeah. like you're building it back in uh, rather than it actually is okay to take it off the menu entirely um, yeah. or, or to you know completely th- rethink what we mean by sex because if you you know if you take Audrey Lord's definition of the erotic then you can be building a, bu- a bookcase with each other and that counts or writing a poem and, you know, that's, uh, that, that's probably quite a helpful approach. <laughs> but also some people might not, I mean, mm. if we see, so uh, sensate focus, we've probably talked about before, but it's when we look at other forms of like non-genital touch, isn't it? And like, Yeah, it usually starts with kind of massage yeah. type stuff and it's like um, asking what the other person wants and then doing that thing if you feel you can offer it. Um, uh, a but bit it, similar to some of the wheel of consent stuff, which is pretty good, but the wheel of consent stuff isn't doing it in order to build back in no. a certain form of sex whereas sensei focus generally it's like you'd have that period of time where you're doing the non-genital touch and then you will bring in the genitals but the thing is is that sensei focus is the even the way it's described is almost that that's not sex and actually that mm. is sex and a lot exactly. of people might not yeah. want might not desire to have a massage you know they might not want to have that kind of sex so it's kind of yeah it inv- the, so off, so the solutions are often inviting people to do the thing that one of the one of the things that actually is putting people off the sex you know many many people mm. have had experiences of non-consensual sex um yeah. either uh, rape sexual assault or other forms of um non-consensual sex that might that um might happen during you know during sex that might not be like a sexual offence but certainly mm. might have an effect on us or might um might in some way make us disassociate from our bodies or yeah. um, make it harder for us to tune into 
um, the kinds of sex that we might want. So actually, coming at it, this from a place of consent and diverse sexual practices and expanding our erotic imagination is the only answer here. Um, and trying to make people mm. do a thing is going to be counterproductive and it's going to get people into this circle again. Well, exactly. And I think that's the thing is like, even if you weren't worried about all the consent aspects or treating yourself badly, those solutions don't actually fix the problem because yeah. the more you try and make yourself do things that you don't want to do, the less you feel like doing them. As we yeah. know from every other aspect of our lives, you know, just apply it. It's like, you know, you try and uh, like uh, address your email inbox when you don't really feel like doing it and you feel even less like going to your email inbox next time, right? And it's the same, yeah. the same is true for sex, yeah. Exactly. It's about, mm. I guess one of the things is like, you, you've got to have a bit of motivation. I guess this is, we're starting to come to our... Uh, well, I'm probably jumping ahead here to our advice bit, but you know, it's about mm. this having, finding where there is a little bit of a motivation or a little bit of something um, that, uh, a little bit of desire to do something and just being able to sit with that and think, okay, well, I don't have to do anything with this desire, but I yeah. can just like feel into it and think, well, what do what does this need and what do I need and do I have to do anything with this? It's always the, the advice is always that we have to escalate, that we always have to, do mm. one thing and then do the other thing and then escalate it up and there is this and it's only success if we get all all the way somehow exactly actually you know learning to really be present to all those experiences and not see them as part of a journey on the way to a particular goal like yeah yes big time but so, yeah i was going to say also again just there's some evidence as well uh, that we shared in our workshop about this that, mm. that you know that sort of supports what we're saying yeah. um that the natsal survey the survey of sexual attitudes and a national survey in the uk said one in four people um who were in a relationship didn't currently share the same level of interest in sex mm-hmm. as their partner so that's like a quarter of people at any point in time right mm. so that's prob- that's everyone at some point probably mm. and a quarter of people at any one at one point and uh, over half of people said they had some kind of difficulty with sex mm. um and when we did the enduring love study that um well jackie gab at um, the open university did and i helped write up into a kind of self-help book they found that um long ter- in long-term relationships people were having everything from no sex to lots of sex and everything in between mm. and the important point was people were fine in their relationships you know a lot of people who over time were not having sex at all or mm. were having a lot of ebbs and flows in it were you know didn't it didn't necessarily mean as long as they could accept it it didn't necessarily mean anything bad for the wider relationship yeah um, and, and there yeah. are lots of reasons for that, right? Mm-hmm. So there are lots of reasons why people may want more or less sex. And we, we again, wrote a list to all read out a few of these. Oh, but, yeah, um, great. Are we at mm-hmm. that bit? Oh, we're yes. at that bit. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, as we just, as we get older, we might be more exp- more likely to experience chronic pain or acute pain or illness um, yeah. and changing ability. Like, the, uh, we might start to experience disability in some way. Yeah. Um, and that can... If we're in constant pain, um, then for some people, I guess that might have two effects, right? Yeah. And, you know, it might be all I want is to have sex so that I feel like I'm experiencing something that isn't this pain. And for others, yeah. it's like, it's just too painful. I just need to be costed and take care of myself and not to have any other, into to lean into the, what I'm feeling rather than necessarily being sexual. So it can work mm-hmm. both ways, I suppose. Precisely, yeah. and also can lead people to different kinds of sexual activity. If mm. if there's pain or disability that ch- changes sensations, then people can end up, um, you know, getting more into 
other kinds of sensation play at that point for example big time i think mm-hmm. we'll come on to that stuff yeah. as well um but also mm. uh bereavement and um loss uh yeah. breakups uh like friend breakups or mm-hmm. dealing with past breakups you know that can do it that can affect us one way or the other yeah. uh, our relationship with our mental health having um, kids or kids leaving home or trying to get yeah. pregnant yeah all, all that kind of thing changes with our bodies or how we're feeling about our bodies um mm-hmm. and changes in uh gender or and also maybe also changes in dynamic uh yeah. in uh, in terms of how we relate to gender but also uh in terms of um how we relate to others uh regarding our gender mm-hmm. um if we're not getting enough sleep or getting too much sleep or mm. different interests and different kinds of sex. I mean, it's the li- I mean, we invite you, dear listener, to think of all <laughs> the different reasons why people may want more or less sex during their life. You'll yeah. probably come up with hundreds if you, yes. if you sat down for half an hour with a pencil and a cup of tea. Obviously, use the pencil to write on a piece of paper, not on the cup of tea. Drink the cup of tea. Uh, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not making up the rules. You do, do it however you like. Right on the mug if you want. But um, you'll come up with hundreds. And then if you think that, yeah. okay, there are two people, uh, or more than two people, let's say there are two people in yeah. um, potentially experiencing all of these different reasons why they may want more or less sex. And you might think, well, is, is it any wonder that at some point we're going to have a sex discrepancy? And yeah. this is why it's the norm. Yeah. And you might think, well, I'm amazed that anyone does have partnered sex. And yes. maybe maybe we're having too much partnered sex that is a bit too much like um, doing it because we think that it's a thing that we're supposed to do to make a successful yeah, relationship. Precisely. We have to really know that it's okay not to do it. And I think that's, you know, much more profound than people give it credit for. Like, you know, yeah. you have, that's again, why I always come back to asexuality and what a gift is being given to everybody yeah. because Brilliant. it's about super permission of like, it is really okay not to want yeah. sex. Um, yeah. I mean, like, just to go back to the um, the Natsal study, one of the studies mm. of young people find that um, young women, regular, one in 10 young women regularly have painful sex. Yeah. Like, because of all the crappy messages that we're sending yeah. out, that's, that's the only reason. Yes. Uh, and um, other bad sex education. So, there are, so, the, so, this is the the idea that we want the the basic idea that we've got to so far is that um if we were to see this as not being a problem then what would that open up like so much yeah um and then also to think well um we also need to do we also need to see not having sex as being as valuable as having sex if we're in a relationship and different individuals might have different views on that in the relationship but as a um as a concept uh, a relationship that is um, that is very sexual is not more or less successful than one that isn't sexual. That's not what we need to be doing. That's not the work mm. we need to be doing in relationships. The to to you know for our relationship to be working in any way uh, at all that is valuable to us and nurturing and giving Precisely. us the things that we need from relationships. That the sex is the is not the thing. 
the binary of sort of success and failure comes in here as well, which mm. permeates so many areas of our life. The idea that you know Big to time. be sex to be sex, to be successful is to do the thing, and to be fa- failure is not to do the thing. You know, it's why we see yeah. getting together with people as a success and breaking up as a failure, for example, or why yeah. we see producing something workwise as a success and not producing as a failure. And it really mm. makes me think that everything we're saying here applies equally to you know I'm now working as a writing mentor with other writers mm-hmm. um, to help them, and you know basically every time someone comes to a session when they haven't written anything since they last saw me they're seeing that as a failure generally speaking and if they have Mm. written something as a success and I I find myself saying to them every time like actually both of those are as interesting you know and useful in fact sometimes the not writing is more useful and interesting Mm. because you know we can we can get into some really interesting stuff there of what's going on what are the blocks you know is it is it that you really want to be doing this you know like what would it be to liberate yourself from feeling like you had to create something quite often when people can really allow it and just not Mm. write when they don't feel like writing when they do write it comes out a lot better or they end up doing a project that's really different and often a lot better than what they were actually going to do before so i think it's super analogous to sex i think this kind of applies to everything it's like and it's very hard again under capitalism to actually you know even practically to let ourselves go from trying to force ourselves to do things that we don't really want to do but when we do that something radical can really shift and you know what actually ends up happening is a lot more interesting and often greater quality as well definitely i mean just in terms of my writing often um Mm. even if i'm thinking of the binary of success and failure and writing not writing sometimes the article that i've not written for bish Mm. um because i was too busy with at the moment i'm really busy with back-end stuff for my website it's very boring but i'm having to fix Mm. a lot of things so that's time to write and actually um not just rushing out an article just because I have to feel like I have to mm. rush out an article. It actually is the success because they, yes. the article that I will write is going to be really good. So Precisely. even if, so, and that's the same with sex and relationships, right? So sometimes yeah. the not having sex actually is a success. But then, if we start to question that binary of success and failure and sex not sex, mm. and then start to really uh, to explore all of the spectrums between that, then that's where we start really figuring out what the answers to what the answers to this are not even the answers to the problem but just really exciting interesting ways of moving forward yeah like you might from find an expansive place precisely you might find whoa actually this isn't a sexual relationship at all but there's this other whole area that we'd never thought about examining because we we're too busy trying to have sex and like we really mesh yeah. in terms of doing this other thing together that we you know end up finding complete delight in you know whether that's some leisure pursuit or some kind of co-creating thing like who knows what may open up when you really allow like sex to go off the menu or you know or then you you know you discover that there's some kind of aspect of sexuality that you never explored because you didn't think it was proper sex and now you're having you know fantastic messenger exchanges rather than trying to have sex physically or you know whatever else it may be 100% and and, um the connection's connection isn't it and Mm. it's however we connect is is the interesting thing in a relationship and it could be that if we are able to um, look at different ways that we might connect with each other rather than different, even more broad, which is an even broader question than the different ways yeah. we might be sexual or sen- or even sensual with each other, what are the ways that we might connect with each other then? Um, sleeping with someone every night or um, looking into their eyes for a few minutes or mm. um, finding out something, you know, asking questions about, you know, finding out something that you didn't know about them before or being really interested in your partner and yeah. uh, and just being very curious about them is the key to it. 
uh, and that's the key to moving on if if you're in a if you're in a situation where one person wants more sex than the other i mean well again it's maybe deprioritized sex maybe sex is just the wrong question entirely mm. it's like we're just looking at this whole relationship as if the only thing that's at issue is the fact you know that one one person wants sex more than the other and that well, either one person's having unwanted sex or one person's not getting the sex they want but if we could just take the whole f- focus off sex and be like you know hey what's this connection all about for us how's it changed yeah. since it started what would we like this to be now being really intentional being really flexible not mm-hmm. feeling like it has to stay the same or escalate over time you mm-hmm. know we, we might be astonished by what we find out we might end up with something way better um, or, or being able to let go of something that's not really working for anybody and finding finding something with somebody else. You know, all of these things are a possibility. And I guess that speaks to why it's so scary to go there, um, because you know, it's it doesn't. Once you're outside of that kind of normative script, it's hmm. yeah. Who knows what might come up, and it might it might be something that has loss attached to it or pain attached to it in some ways as well. I think one of the things to come back to is to think about our individual cells um, as much as we can um, on a scale from being um, asexual to the term is allosexual isn't it the yeah. um, the other end of a spectrum so how sexual are we how mm. interested in sex are we um, and having that conversation with a partner might be a very difficult one but then the 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 bigger questions of okay what is sex and mm. why do people have sex and what are our motivations of having sex they're the real key aren't they mm. that's the th- that's the bit in between where even if we do have this focus on sex um, rather than other connections there might be many reasons why we want to feel like well, there might be many reasons why we feel like a sexual relationship is an important thing to be in and yeah. to have sex is important to us but unpacking why and what it is we want to get precisely it's like it could be that both people find out oh well uh, actually i've been doing it because i feel like because i've been told i should and it's yep. a complete relief to imagine never having sex again with you great mm-hmm. we both feel the same it could be that one person's like well i i really want sex because that's when i feel close to you mm-hmm. and it's like well actually there's some other ways we could do things together that make you feel equally close it doesn't have to be sex that does that mm-hmm. um you know it could be that one but one person it's like a really spiritual experience and they really want that in their lives and they go and find that elsewhere in, in a kind of conscious sexuality kind of way like there's so many ways that could go um but it's um, as long as you can do it which is a big as long as because it's really hard to have these kind of conversations you know it can hopefully lead to everybody feeling more fulfilled because they're not yeah they're not trying to do it in, in one place but when we have other <coughs> answers for why is mm. it that we want to have sex or what do we mm. want from sex and when we have other answers that first yeah. of all gives us an abundance of opportunities to give us the things that we need yeah but also it puts less pressure on the sex yes. so if we're not asking sex to be uh, a spiritual experience uh, an act of intimacy a stress relief a thing that we're mm. doing because we're told that we should um an act of normativity that we want to hold on to something um, that makes us feel like we're still attractive yeah, yeah like exactly. um, so a, a workout um, <laughs> give us an orgasm yeah yeah <laughs> um, so yeah. if we're not asking sex to do all of those things then suddenly sex can become this um much uh, i guess like smaller thing but also an interesting thing that we might or might not want to do an activity that we mm-hmm. might want to take part in with each other that um all by ourselves or with others if we are redo- redoing our relationship agreements 
Mm. And suddenly sex becomes much more potentially interesting. So it was an irony that yeah. when we start taking a pressure off the sex being the answer to everything, and suddenly sex in and of itself might seem quite desirable and quite sexy. Where yeah. for a lot of people, sex isn't sexy because it's got all of those. Yeah. It's weighed down with all that other stuff. That's what makes it less sexy, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Um, there's a lot more about this in our Xenon book. I mean, like we, we really cover that a lot in our book, don't we? We've got some, yeah. um, lots of different activities for you to uh, work on with your partner that makes all this quite a lot less scary. And Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I guess there's another, you know, it's one set of conversations about what, what are you trying to get from sex and whether you can get those needs met in other kinds of ways, both from your partner or from other people or from yourself, mm. ideally yeah. as well. Um, yeah. And then there's also a set of conversations about, you know, what's, what's the role of sex in other relationships you know mm. are you monogamous monogamish non-monogamous you know if there mm-hmm. is because it's such an obvious answer to sexual incompatibility and that's not to say it doesn't come with its own different challenges not like you know mm. oh sexual some some again i guess some non-monogamous communities are a bit like well sexual incompatibility is the big problem and we can just solve it by having sex with more people and i think <laughs> it is a, a lot more complicated than that um again because yeah. we're we're in a very monogamous kind of idealized culture so it's not easy to step out and um you know having many different intimate relationships is challenging in all kinds of ways just as trying oh. to only have one is challenging in all kinds of ways well that's one of the things with non-monogamy is i think uh, mm. is that um it's quite easy for us to do the normative thing of um i'm wanting this amount of sex and then when there's a sex discrepancy in a non-monogamous mm. relationship people might feel like well we can find another relationship now so there's an abundance of relationships rather than an abundance of ways of connecting or different kinds of sex or different motivations for having sex and so Mm -hmm. uh, yeah it comes with it when if people take this kind of normativity to a non-normative relationship that can still play out the same precisely so again end up being very focused on just getting as much sex as they want rather than having unpacked what it is they're looking for from sex so then you can end up you know with the kind of your relationships being all about that and not really meeting the other needs that Mm. you need in relationships for example so yeah i think it's um but yeah definitely that's one of the conversations that people need to be having and again Mm -hmm. just like uh just collapsing that hierarchy that says that some kinds of ways of doing relationships are better than others whether mm. whether you put monogamy at the top of that hierarchy or polyamory or anything really mm. and just saying okay all these ways of doing it are possible which yep. one's going to work for me which one's going to work for us which one's going to work for the other people around us how do, you know in terms of treating everybody respectfully and ethically and we have definitely done a podcast about yes. that yeah yeah <laughs> There's plenty, that we've, we've done plenty on that the other thing we've definitely done a podcast about is thinking about expanding our erotic imagination, which is the final kind of answer yeah. to, to this non-problem. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, um, so another non-answer st- to a non-problem. <laughs> no, it's an answer to oh, a non-problem. An- okay. Yeah. Um, so real to yeah to unpack what we mean by sex. Uh, yeah. We've regular listeners will already have known that we're about to talk about this, but you know, if we, as we were talking before, if the only kind of sex that we think is okay is the uh, Thomas Aquinas, the little Tommy Quine Quine endorsed <laughs> penis and vagina reproductive you with your sex. History. Hey, that we're regular listeners, we've all heard the, my interview with Dr. Eleanor Yanagar, esteemed, esteemed it's a uh, marvelous medievalist. Um, little Tommy Quine Quine. Apparently, it was from The Good Place, which is a program I have seen, so uh, I should have known what that reference was. But I've seen I it as well. Through. I've seen it. <laughs> Existential. Yeah, anyway. It's a really good show. 
Uh, we should talk about that. We should talk yeah. about existential, ex- existentialism sometime. Anyway, so there are lots of different ways of having sex. There are lots of different kinds of sex. Uh, and again, mm-hmm. there are hundreds of different kinds in, and in different hundreds of different kinds of touch and also hundreds of different kinds of non-touch that can be done in a hundred different mm. dynamics and a hundred different ways. Yeah. Um, so there is literally an endless different, endless number of different infinite. sexual practices, yeah. infinite number of sexual practices that we may or may not enjoy. And that's the way we need to start looking at sex. And it's the way we need to start looking at relationships is look, there's an abundance of ways that we can figure this out. The problem are the normative mm. scripts that we're given that are not helping us, so we need to abandon those and do yeah. the harder, but the much more enriching, rewarding work of, let's figure this out. Let's, you know, what what is it we want to do here for what reason and how yeah. and when? Yeah. How well and if we want to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and playing with that, I suppose, again, it comes back to our joy podcast a bit. It's like, what, what exactly. enlivens you? What brings you joy? What what feels playful? Um, but it is, you know, again, it's always that caveat of like, but this is super hard, you know, because, yeah, again, the Natsal survey found people are super anxious about this. It feels, you know, there's a lot of shame, huge amount of shame, mm. you know, about being anything other than what people perceive as sexually normal. You know, and even knowing that actually that's most people, there are very few people who enjoy the kind of sex put in, put forward in sex advice books. Um, you know, for forever. You know, even if you enjoy it a bit at the beginning, it's it's rarely something you want to do forever. It's you know just uh, trying to yeah trying to befriend yourself and lift that sense of shame around it is not an easy task. No, and it's harder as well when there's more at stake for one person in a relationship than another, which there mm. often is, and where, um, and it's important to notice where you have more power than the other person and how you can start to open up these conversations and do it gently. But the thing is, is that, um, you know, the, the, what is at stake here is not experiencing joy. And, yeah. you know, uh, and it's a... It's, I'm going to say something facile like what why are we bothering with romantic or sexual or any kind of relationship without any without the joy because we're all Mm. going to have to deal with a lot of not joy whatever the opposite of joy is Um, yeah sorrow yeah sorrow it's it's just there's enough sorrow exactly exactly and that's what we talked about in our podcast and so And we've given you, and there is a lot of shame, and it is difficult. However, we have got the tools, and yes. you know we've been talking about those. We this is the thing we we're in, we're advisors that are trying to make it easier, and so we have the tools. So just be brave and <laughs> just be brave. Try them out. That's going to be a future podcast, yeah. right? How to be brave. Yeah, how to be brave. That would be a really good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're yeah. going to talk about that. But yeah, but yeah. baby steps and. You yeah. know, and people, and also the other thing to say is that people have done it. People yeah. do this work, and, and the support, and the support around it. You know exactly. It's like you can you can find people are saying the stuff that we're saying um, to listen to, to read, uh, to watch, but also there are workshops and uh, those mm-hmm. kinds of things as well. So it's it's like you know definitely doing this in a vacuum is really hard if it's only you and your whole friendship circle or, or that's mm-hmm. trying to see sex differently or do it differently. So it may be, be well be worth looking to different communities of support so that Mm -hmm. you can at least you know have online discussions with like-minded people or what have you yeah but also we've got your back 
So yes. just we got air you. pals. We've got yeah, you. We you got can you, do air this. Pals. You're, you're all good. Yeah. <laughs> so um, <laughs> that is us. We've finally now talked about sexual discrepancies. Uh, we have, and desi- now we can link to this desire. We now can link to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, hope you've enjoyed the show. Um, we love the emails, like the emails that we get just via our website, via the contact page on our website. They give us so much joy. We send them to each other, and it's like, oh, yeah. lovely, warm feelings of the of the nice things that you're saying about us. And it doesn't actually matter that you're not saying these things so much in public. It, I mean, it's hard. <laughs> There's a lot of stigma and shame about talking about sex and relationships, yeah. particularly in the non-normative ways that we're encouraging you to think about it. So, but these emails that we get are wonderful. Mm-hmm. If you do want to tell the world about how wonderful we are, you can do that. Uh, we're mostly on the Twitters, aren't we, Meg John? We are mostly on the Twitters and a little bit Instagram now. Little not so bit, much. Not so much. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a little bit. Little bit Facebook. Um, yeah. But we're going to have a a, pay, a Patreon soon. We should mention this, right? We are. Yes, yeah. we are going to have a Patreon. I think that we can probably reveal what the first Patreon is. Patreon post Ooh, is going to be. Shall we? we? That yes. Go on. Then. So our first Patreon post to get you excited is, you know how we did When Harry Met Sally and we did the alternative DVD commentary to When Harry Met Sally, what mm-hmm. if two uh, sex and relationships and sexuality gender podcasters were talking about When Harry Met Sally? Well, we've only gone and done it for four weddings and four a funeral. Four weddings and a funeral. Oh, yes. Uh, and it was awesome. And um, actually, I really enjoyed the film. Uh, like yeah. uh, you know, it didn't make me think. It, it made me look at the film differently. Yes. Uh, but I still really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I felt the same. It was uh, it was good to be critical and see things that I hadn't necessarily seen in the past around it. Um, yeah. And also, it was quite a warm. I guess with those ones for us, we're revisiting films of our childhood. Ones that really shaped mm-hmm. our relationship to relationships as well. Yeah. Um, and not not for the for the good really necessarily no. so <laughs> which, which um, so there's a strange you know there's a strange kind of warmth and fondness you mm. know for these films watched so many times and at the same time you know kind our of some selves. loss and you know yeah. yeah some trying to be kind to our past selves who were fed on a diet of this um, <laughs> exactly this stuff. i mean because you know they're fantastic films in a lot of ways around the the comedy in them and the warm characters and things and then also yeah. some of the messages are just like shocking yeah I mean that's how they get you they just write them so well and then the normativity sinks in because it's just so well written well so so many so many pop songs right you know exactly pop songs rom-coms so yeah we're having yeah we're having a totally like non-binary experience of these films what do they open up and close down you know what are the what do they lose us what do they gain us you know that's what we're we're going for anyway that's going to be our first Patreon for Patreons when we have them that's right and mm. basically so that'll be the first one and then we're, what we're hoping and planning to do is that um, we'll still release weekly podcasts but every other week will be a patron only one yeah. and and also I mean we'll explain more when the patrons up but there's going to be there are going to be tiers but it's going to be based on your income I think we've decided yeah. sliding uh, scale kind of thing so we're going to give yeah. everyone the same but you mm-hmm. just give us uh, what is appropriate to the amount of income that you have what you can afford yeah yeah, um, and um, and that will be it. So that's going to be the very end of July. We think that's going up perhaps early August. Um, yeah, over the summer is when we're going to do this. Um, and we'll tell you. And uh, Justin has one already for Bish. If you want to support Justin's amazing work. Yes, uh, thank you. Thanks, MJ. I've completely forgot about that. 
patreon.com forward slash bish uk and um, I will be doing one for myself because I have just gone full time as a writer oh my yeah. gosh so I have very little money coming in so if anybody wants to support um, my writing um, alone then I'm going to have a Patreon as well at some point by the, definitely by the end of the summer and we'll have one yep. for our joint project as well um, and of course it's all very much optional and consensual <laughs> like you don't have yes. to do it but um, yes. uh, but but yeah like we, we appreciate it if you do want to support the work we're doing because you know you think people think of writing as very well paid um, they may imagine what you, what, you, what you do just um, in terms of sex education is well paid sad to say this is not the case <laughs> no it's precariously yeah. paid precarious. <laughs> that way. Yeah, sometimes precarious. I get paid sometimes oh, yeah. I don't and yeah, yeah, it's yeah. never enough for the kinds of work that we want to do so yeah. um, and it's okay for us to do good work that we happen to enjoy and we can also get paid for Yes, uh, and uh, at least the podcast could pay for itself because we are paying for this podcast to. Uh, yeah, with, uh, so with yeah, it helps us minute, to, so, to yeah. actually yeah pay for the stuff that we do. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so uh, let's go then. Let's bugger off, shall we? Okay, thank I you mean, for we'll listening, ear pals. Yeah, um, we'll go from our ear pals. Yeah. Yes. Uh, bye, thanks, ear pals. Bye. 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 Bye.